What's going on, guys? AJ here back again with another episode of the E1B2 Collective Podcast. It has officially been the the longest since I've ever recorded. Um, You guys may still hear a bit of raspiness or or, or nasal uh, congestive sound in my voice. Um, I am very certain that COVID finally uh, finally crept up on me here, but I am doing my best to push through. I am doing my best to stay uh, positive and I would say I'm at about a 85 to yeah about 80, 80% probably right now. And so I figured I'd try to get back to work here, make some content, try to bring some value, and just share a few points of views that I think will be really helpful. Um, today, I want to kind of talk about a few things that I'm putting together for myself, and I just figured I'd put it out to you guys. Um, for a lot of you guys, you know that um, this entire year since COVID happened, we're a little beyond a year now. Um, I've been behind the scenes putting together a number of different companies and projects and things right at an entrepreneurial level, but I've always kind of, uh, had a very realistic mindset around what I needed to do to, to keep myself ready to go back in the house if needed. And so for me, I've always looked at myself as a, a different type of guy when it comes to the world of HR and employee experience and people operations. And I, I don't have a lot of the traditional backgrounds and skills and capabilities. And frankly, I don't really desire to. I think there's a certain bit of value that I can bring to the table. And so I've actually put together um, a lot of my own concepts, frameworks, best practices, and just structures of what the head of people role would be if, if another company got me. Um, and I kind of labeled that within my Microsoft, uh, my Word document here, uh, head of people development. And, and I kind of just have different categories and focuses. And, and I kind of break down my processes, my frameworks, the way I, I look at things, my POV. And I just have these things prepared for a couple of reasons. Number one, um, I want to have it fully ready to go once I go back in house so I can just refer right to it and just have that speed. Uh, and secondly, uh, I also have it right next to me is because unfortunately for me, there's a lot of things that I know very well um, and that I can do but if I don't have something written out to reference that's like a step-by-step breakdown um, to look at, uh, my ADD is, is so bad where I'll actually, it'll actually come off as if I don't know what I'm talking about, but, but it actually is in my brain. It's just, I need something to refer to to kind of walk me through frameworks because again, due to my ADD, I just don't remember things very well. And um, that's a whole nother concept and conversation. But um, I want to talk about a few things that I have here. Um, I want to talk about a few things that I think are, are super, super important. Um, and I'm probably going to focus a lot of it on the, uh, a lot of it on the talent development. And so for me, I wrote down the following. So I have a kind of a, an outline of the core areas that I feel uh, my version of a head of people should be focused on when it comes to talent development. I'll read those off right now. Um, the first is career mapping. The second is upskilling and reskilling. The third is organization's value system when it comes to talent development. Um, the, thir- uh, the fourth is uh, executive coaching for managers and teaching them how to become better coaches and, and, and really outlining a framework around that and helping them understand their, their dedication and their involvement operationally when it comes to talent development. The fifth is a scrappy talent development marketplace um, and that design and, and what that should look like. 
Uh, the sixth is a position restructuring. The seventh is the graduation model design support. Um, the, the, the seventh is uh, contextual learning and development structures. The eighth is kind of that employees first, business second, performance management framework, design policies, um, you know, managers involvement with that process. Um, the, the ninth is the employees first kind of promotion structure, the policies. Um, the 10th is the compensation framework model, the blend of the employees first contextual uh, pay versus the traditional kind of uh, pay structures and, and, and um, the, the bands that a lot of new age organizations are putting together now. And then the last two are, you know, employees first kind of feedback loops and contextual talent development needs. And then the last is uh, identifying high potential employees and, and the frameworks and the systems around that and the support that we give to those folks and, and how we go about those things. And so for me, those are the categories that I personally have a desire to focus on when it comes to talent development. Uh, there's so many other categories, again, that are that are out there. But for me, those are the ones that are important. So I guess for those that are currently listening that may be ahead of people or may want to be ahead of people or may be a CEO, an executive, an investor, whatever the case is, a startup founder. Um, those are the things that I think are important when it comes to talent development. Those are the categories that I'm super passionate about. Um, and I think, again, you know, if, the, if that if those categories resonate or, or are important to you at the stage of your, of your startup right now, at the stage of your small business right now, or at the stage of your career right now, then hopefully those are an example. Um, and I'm going to kind of get into a few. So the next thing beyond that is I, I like to outline kind of my process and, and my method and my, and my POV around each one at a high level. Um, and so for me, I have a couple here that I've worked on. And again, I'm going to be building this for a while here. So the, the first that I'm super passionate about is obviously career mapping. Um, I feel I just genuinely believe that is one of the most important things that are connected to employer retention um, engagement. Um, I think it's one of the biggest things that are connected to, uh, bottom line, if you really want to map it and track it all the way out. Um, and I just believe it's one of the most underutilized, under, underrated things that uh, a lot of organizations fail on. And I'll give you a couple areas of, of my POV. I think the first is, you know, at a very operational level, you know, organizations need to conduct deep inter interviews and conversations to understand and seek uh, where individuals want to be in their career overall. I just think that is not happening enough. I remember my first time as a head of people, I would have very deep conversations with a Blake or Cornelius or um, an Angela or, or Naya, and, 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 and I'm just rattling off a few and in having very, very deep, meaningful conversations to genuinely figure out where they inevitably see themselves long term in their career or even short term. Um, and, and I and I am a big believer in putting together kind of a two to three period of periods of time a year where you, you recheck that data. You recheck if there, there's thing, if there's a difference, if there's new ideas, new desires, um, things that they want to inevitably become and do long term that maybe maybe have changed from the first time you had that conversation. I'm a big fan of like the framework of the conversation. You know, for me, what I think a great head of people does is is that individual has an ability to 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 build trust and make the conversation genuinely feel like two friends are having a a, a cocktail and unpacking and unpacking someone's future in a very exciting, 
enthusiastic, uh, non-egotistical way. And what I mean by non-egotistical is so many heads of people are are no more than advocates of the brand and no more than pushing or no more than than than, than palm pieces or or um kind of like uh what are those little things that are on strings um puppets if you will for the company to try to make the career mapping um behoove the company and for me what's been so successful in my career is I do it to behoove the talent to behoove the the employee and so in in Nia's example and and I'll get pr- pretty operational with it something that I was pushing very heavily with him personally and then at an operational kind of organizational level is to make sure that Naya understood that if writing was a passion of his if 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 program design was a passion of his if there if a certain pieces of technology was a passion of his something that I'm a, I'm a big advocate within the career mapping process is not only understanding and never be where he wants to be and what that may look like but in real time, how can we bake that into your role today? How can in the next two to three to four weeks, two to three to four months, can we restructure your role? Can we redesign your role? Can we redesign your focuses? Can we add things to your plate? Can we restructure um, the, the the teams that you're playing and the team that you're on? How can we inevitably put a plan together where today you're a COO, but in seven months, you're head of events or in seven months, you're the COO and head of and head of the writing division or you're writing the new email newsletters or you're involved in in creating um, an internal and external blog on behalf of the organization. How can we really understand where you want to be long term in your career and bake that into the fabrics of, of what you're doing in a, in a short period of time? And so I think for me, that's just a really big key. And, and imagine, guys. And I know this is so simple and so remedial. And the reason why <clears throat> the reason why I'm pushing so heavily on this right now is so many organizations, this is a very real statement here. So many organizations focus on day-to-day operationally around things that behoove them. And I understand that and I respect that. But something that was very obvious to me as I got into the world of HR and got into the world of leadership of people is I started to realize that if I focus on things that behoove them, if I focus on things that inevitably drive them and get them excited and I find ways to connect it back to the org, but focus on them first, there's a win-win that can be involved on both sides. And what I'm seeing too much from heads of people inside of startups, inside of small businesses, is the heads of people and some of the talent executives there, they are trying to behoove and focus on the company first and then trying to massage the employee into the company's plan and the company's mission and not doing it reverse. And so if you do it my way and if you do it the way that I kind of just explained and unpacked in Anaya's example, your, your trust, the trust that that employee has within you as an individual of the head of people and the organization spikes at a level that you would not imagine. And that trust kind of goes and, and, and connects immediately to engagement. And that engagement immediately connects to it an uptick of a performance, an uptick of dedication, an uptick of effort, an uptick of when something is needed to go beyond the eight-hour scope of the workday, you're looking around and you're seeing Nia still in the back office working a 13-hour day, not because you asked, because it was just needed. And at times, we all know inside of organizations, there are 13-hour days, there are 14-hour days, there are eight, uh, uh, eight. There are uh, six or seven day a week um, work weeks that are needed 
just to get things done. Maybe there are deadlines that are that need to that, that need to be met, uh, and and the organization needs that, and yet they can't look around and find even five percent of the of the organization that that is willing to to raise their hand and say, "I want to be a part of that. I want to do that." Um, and so that's how you create that that culture that people talk about so much is when you focus on from a career mapping perspective of what behooves the employees first, what they actually care about, and so again. To get really operational and to leave that off on a, on, a, on, a, on a really good note is I'm just a really big fan of restructuring roles. I'm a really big fan of giving them learning moments. I'm a really big fan of mentorship. I'm a really big fan of networking on their behalf as well. Um, I think as CEOs, as heads of people, as executives inside of companies, our networks are much wider than the employees' networks. And so when it, when it connects to the career mapping, I'm a really big fan of even if you know in an 18-month window, Naya will no longer be here. Maybe he will go on to write a book or maybe he will go on to start his own blog or maybe he will go on to create his own app or maybe he will go on to do a completely different role and a completely different size of another org. I believe it is incredibly thoughtful two to four times a year to look into your network, to connect Naya to mentors, to connect Naya to learning moments to build out that infrastructure, again, around things that do not behoove the company, but that behoove him. Do not forget that if you do these things, his day-to-day, his day-to-day output will be at an uptick and a higher level than it may have been previously, and that will behoove you in the short term. So don't be afraid to, to focus on uh, Naya's long-term desires and goals, because that will do a lot of good. Um, and so that's just a, an example of, of, of a few things that I care so much about when it comes to career mapping. Um, and then also it, it's beneficial because it'll improve the MPS scores. Let's really not forget about that. The net promoter scores, the, the scores and the data that tracks, you know, how, how, how often employees would recommend um, your organization to another human. Um, let's, let's call it what it is. I think that's incredibly fascinating. I think that's incredibly important. It's something that I am a big fan of, and it's one of my biggest missions and goals anytime I jump into an org. I want amazing talent to come to the organization because they not just appreciate what we do as a company or appreciate what we're building because they know that if I come to this org in 18 months or in six years or in five years or in four years, I can either A, be reskilled, can up can be upskilled to have my to have my role adjust and blend and flip and, and trans transform into something larger within that organization, or I can have the opportunity to leave that organization and move on to something and they actually have something to do with it. I think that's incredibly fascinating. You'd be very surprised how much amazing talent that is typically attracted to interesting concepts or companies or brands, if the word gets out on the street that you guys do what's best for the employee in very operational, detailed ways that behoove the employee first, you'll get an inbound of talent that is uh, that is that is tremendous and that is super dedicated. And so I'm just really, really excited about that. Um, let me give a couple more here and then I'll shut it down here. Um, even when it comes to like upskilling and reskilling, um, you know, the process of teaching your employees new skills and technology that, that kind of is connected to new opportunities and new jobs within the org. Um, the E1B2 way that I'm putting in place for myself anytime I go back in house and I want you guys to steal this is I'm just a really big fan of making sure, number one, the um, the job vacancies or the needs of 
of what's happening within the org long term. So again, new jobs that will be needed, new technology, new skills that will be needed. I'm a really big fan of, of obviously giving those opportunities to the employees you have in-house first and being super proactive with the department heads, the organizational heads, the C-suites to keep a pulse forever and always on the short-term and long-term needs and then upskilling and reskilling the staff first to figure out if they can be the ones that can actually fill those gaps so many organizations and startups are living into the now and just trying to figure out a way day to day to survive and to live and or you have a lot of startups right now that are super progressive, super, you know, moving super fast and are trying to achieve so much more. And the mistake that they're making with the upscaling very operationally is during the interview process, during the onboarding process and throughout the life cycle of that employee. They're not understanding the additional ancillary skills that he or she may have. And again, I'll go back to Naya as an example. There are so many skills that Naya had and has that at the time, I don't think the organization really understood. And as we were trying to move into more branding initiatives and more writing initiatives and more marketing initiatives and more event initiatives, there were skills that he had that were very interesting. And so there was a situation where for a six to seven month period of time, there could have been a situation where we would have shifted him into those things and maybe restructured his role a bit that would have saved the cash, the recruiting efforts and time to go out and try to find someone externally to do those things as we were trying to get that division built out a bit. We were able to kind of just pivot Naya into those things potentially. And so that's an example, right? It's when you operationally understand what each person within your organization actually has a skill of behind the scenes, a.k.a skills that you didn't know existed, there's a lot of good that can happen there. And so, again, operationally, what that looks like is doing the interview process. I'm a big fan of it, like asking a lot of the questions. And this is kind of connected to my Beyond Resume efforts that I have, where you understand and you keep a track and a log in the HRS systems, in the employee profiles of your new hires of like, here's a Here's a list of three to five skills that they have and experiences that they have behind the scenes that could be very helpful. Maybe they're not working on those skills in this role that we specifically hired them to do right now. Excuse me. But these are skills that maybe will come forth to be super valuable in the future that we could use and we could connect some things to. Just some things to think about, guys. Super helpful when it's, when you're trying to upskill or reskill or do different things in your org. And it's always best to go to your people first, but you have to take the effort to understand what those things are. And so I think that's it. Um, the COVID is still, still kicking in here. So um, I've talked for about 20 minutes straight. I think that's enough content for you guys today. But just a few thoughts on reskilling and upskilling, just a few thoughts on career mapping, just a few thoughts on what the head of people should be doing, and just a few thoughts on what you could be doing for your teams, for your people, for your org to uh, make things better for the company and definitely to make things better for your people. Thanks a lot, guys.